Will my people ever forgive me? were the first words spoken by the king after waking up on an operating table after an emergency surgery caused him to miss his own coronation. For the past year and a half, lavish ceremonies were planned all across the British Empire to mark his coronation, only to be cancelled at the last minute. You're listening to Backyard History, the hidden stories that happen in your own backyard the podcast version of the weekly history column running in newspapers across the Maritimes with your host and author, Andrew McLean. The year was 1902, and after 64 years ruling the British Empire, Queen Victoria was dead. The new king was Edward VII, and it seemed that finally things were going to be changing. Queen Victoria was a very hands-on monarch who closely watched and often intervened with the democratically elected political leaders on laws and policy. Edward, on the other hand, who was nicknamed Birdie, was more apolitical. He was pretty similar to the modern royal family. He would attend ceremonies, like the opening of Tower Bridge in 1896, but largely he didn't interfere with government. When his mother, the Queen, was alive, this wasn't necessarily by choice. She refused to allow him access to government documents or officials. This is because when he did get involved in politics, it tended to frustrate her. For example, in a territorial dispute between Denmark and Germany, he publicly backed Denmark while she supported Germany. In another dispute where Italy was trying to unify, she didn't want to have Italy unify while he went and met with the pro-unification Italian politicians. Even worse than this, Bertie had this strange habit of interacting freely with the lower classes, and even worse, treating them with the same respect he did the upper class. His mother considered this vulgar. Bertie also had a habit of making embarrassing comments about non-white peoples. For example, on an 1875 trip to India, he provoked outrage in Britain with the following controversial statement. Just because a man has a black face and a different religion from our own, there is no reason why he should be treated as a brute. For 59 years, Bertie was heir to the throne. During that time, he lived a playboy lifestyle. He would eat prodigiously, he would smoke excessively, and he would get into more than a couple public scandals over his gambling. In effect, he was the personification of an idle, rich aristocrat. In that way, he was a worldwide fashion icon. Some of the looks that he pioneered are still popular, like tweed, and uh, men not buttoning the bottom button of their suit coats. He is also to blame for popularizing the traditional British Sunday dinner of roast beef, potatoes with horseradish sauce, and Yorkshire pudding. Queen Victoria had died in January of 1901. 
and Bertie's coronation would be June 26th, 1902. Victoria's coronation had been considered underwhelming and poorly planned, and Britain was determined to make up for it. In faraway Canada, however, Fredericton had thought it did a great job of hosting New Brunswick celebrations of Queen Victoria's coronation. James S. Beak, the former mayor, recalled the main event as a barbecue featuring a whole roast ox. He said, The ox stood up as in life, and his whole head was on. He was splendidly roasted, and tables were built around him, on which were knives and forks, salt and pepper, bread, cheese, cake, and English brew, all in abundance, and all free to everybody. Furthermore, Fredericton had something of a personal connection with Bertie. At the age of 18, Bertie had done a tour of Canada, the first royal ever to come to the new country. He had received a hero's welcome in St. John, and then he had come up to Fredericton. In a particularly memorable event at Wilmot Park, there was a pond there, and in honor of him coming, they had installed some new pipes, and there would be a new fountain. The opening of the fountain was all hyped up. He was going to be turning it on for the first time. And then when he, in front of a big crowd, when Bertie turned the nozzle, only a small little spurt of water came out. Fredericton was pretty embarrassed over that, and uh, it was made even worse when the young prince could not stop laughing. So once again, so many years later, New Brunswickers again turned to Fredericton to host its coronation activities. A massive planning committee was struck in Fredericton, with representatives from everyone from the mayor to firefighters, from the board of trade to the curling club. Everyone, it seems, was represented on the planning committee, except for indigenous people. And uh, despite being ruled by a woman for the past 64 years, women were not allowed to participate. The planners basically decided to duplicate the previous coronation. The main event would once again be a big barbecue featuring an entire whole roasted ox. To avoid rowdiness on the other hand, three barrels of lemonade would replace all the free beer. A series of carnival games were planned on the green down by the river. There would be canoe races, there was going to be climbing a greased pole, there was going to be log rolling, there was going to be swimming races. The main event would be canoe tilting. So think medieval knights jousting at one another, except in canoes, with two people each paddling at one another, and then two other people on the tips of the canoes holding a 20-foot padded lance trying to knock each other into the river. There would also be five separate parades. There's going to be a military parade. There's going to be a trades parade with floats depicting New Brunswick industry. There's going to be a school parade featuring 200 teachers and 1,000 students. There's going to be a torchlight parade organized by the fire department featuring different colored flames. And then there is going to be an illuminated boat parade at night. Trains and steamships offered reduced fares to the capital, 
with ads proclaiming, Come to Fredericton and witness the Coronation Day celebration! They were planning to make extra stops at all the small communities so that nobody would miss out on the big day. Bertie, however, was not a healthy person. At the age of 59, he was heavily overweight. He had a taste for fine champagne and lots and lots of cigars. And he also had a massive appetite. Only three days before the coronation, Edward and his wife Alexandra returned from Windsor Castle to Buckingham Palace. Newspaper reporters that were waiting outside of Buckingham Palace started publishing articles remarking that he looked worn and pale. The next day, a telegram marked official was sent out across the empire, including to Fredericton. It read, The king is suffering from paradophysis. The condition on Saturday was so satisfactory that it was hoped that with care his majesty would be able to go through with the coronation ceremonies. On Monday evening, a recurrence became manifest, rendering a surgical operation necessary today. Uh, that was obviously somewhat difficult to understand, which led to the bizarre result of Moncton's Daily Transcript newspaper running the screaming bolded headline, King stricken down on eve of coronation. The shadow of critical illness falls over the king. And they published a story saying that Bertie had had a stroke and was paralyzed. The thing with that newspaper article, however, is that it is completely inaccurate. The reality was that Bertie had required an emergency surgery to remove his appendix and that he was recovering just fine. The coronation was rescheduled for six weeks later, on August the 9th. By then, much of the enthusiasm had waned. Many foreign dignitaries in Britain, including the Canadian delegation, went home. In Fredericton, the rescheduled event was much scaled down. Even back then, many New Brunswickers would go on vacation during the summers. As a result, the barbecue was cancelled, the parades were smaller, and the canoe jousting was replaced with a baseball game. To deal with this low enthusiasm, city council ordered that all houses and businesses must be decorated, even, quote-unquote, if it is with but one union jack. The morning of Coronation Day was rainy in Fredericton, it started off rather badly. Many people showed up in the rain to watch a 21-gun salute. Unfortunately, in Fredericton, the message had been received the previous day that the city was not allowed to have one because it wasn't big enough. This word came from Ottawa and was not communicated to the about 700 people who had come out in the rain. However, despite the auspicious beginning, the day got much clearer in the afternoon. And at dusk, some 5,000 people turned up to watch the illuminated boat parade. Despite the police banning fireworks, because it scared horses, a massive fireworks display took place, spelling with the words, God save the king in the sky. Meanwhile in Britain, 
a tightly choreographed coronation went off with only one single hitch. The aging and mostly blind Archbishop of Canterbury placed Bertie's crown on his head backwards. Bertie's reign as King Edward VII was marked by dramatically rising tensions, nearly leading to war multiple times across Europe. Bertie was crisscrossing the continent, meeting with political leaders and fellow kings, and diplomatically intervening time after time to settle these conflicts before they erupted. He earned the nickname all across Europe as King Edward the Peacemaker. King Edward VII, however, smoked 20 cigarettes and 12 cigars every day, and he ended up dying of throat cancer only eight years after his coronation. Only four years after King Edward the Peacemaker's death, the First World War erupted. That was another episode of Backyard History with your host, Andrew McLean. Stay tuned for next week's episode for another hidden story that happened right in your own backyard. 